Hey guys, welcome back to our, I don't know how, what number episode on uh, electroluminescence, seven. This is our seventh episode on electroluminescence. Today we're joined by Viom, Ethan, and myself. Uh, we're going to be talking about supply chain. We're going to be talking about global economics. We're going to be talking about energy. So we have a lot to discuss. It's going to be a fun episode. Let's get to it. Ethan or Viom, whoever wants to start us off. Go ahead. So Europe is facing a massive um, energy crisis. The price of, um, oh, sorry, the price of natural, the price of uh, electricity has went to five times what it was the previous year, reaching a peak of 116 euros per megawatt hour. And um, it's all due to just a massive, um, collection of events. Uh, there's a lot of debating issues on to on how it started. There's a lot of debating. Um, you know, there's a lot of debate as to how the supply chain, you know, crisis started in terms of natural gas. Um, primary. A, a lot of people are accusational of Russia, rightfully so, of restricting the supply for political for political issues. Um, you know, they've done this in the past with. Ukraine, uh, you know, tensions between uh, Ukraine and Russia have caused um, the use of Ukrainian pipelines to, um, you know, be to to be uh, replaced in favor of pipelines through Belarus and Poland by the company Gazprom, which actually Belarus and Poland right now are having a migrant crisis, which is another reason for an interrupted flow. Additionally. Um, they're, they're also pushing to build, they're pushing to use Nord Stream 2, which is a parallel pipeline to the biggest pipeline for Europe, which is Nord Stream 1. Um, I think it provides about, let me just double check on the figure, um, some 4.8, no, no, 4.7-ish billion cubic meters of natural gas uh, per month, which is in uh, terawatt hours of energy, near 55 terawatt hours. And um, German regulators won't allow it to be won't allow it to be used, uh, you know, due to ecological reasons. However, as a result, Russia is deciding to cut the amount of gas that storage uh, st storage facilities in Europe, specifically in Germany and the Netherlands, can have access to. Um, there's also another, there's also, you know, another political influence in the natural gas crisis with regards to Spain and Portugal. Um, Algeria and Morocco have recently uh, shot up intentions, uh, you know, specifically over some territorial disputes. And this has caused the, um, this has caused Algeria on the 1st of November to stop supplying through the Maghreb pipeline. Uh, which is, which goes through Morocco, and um, supplies uh, Spain with about forty odd percent of its liquefied natural gas, which is what it uses to to heat uh, residential areas for utilities and so on and so forth. Um, the Medgas pipeline, however, is still in use, which and it's going to uh, have an uh, an expansion very soon. 
Additionally, there's also a higher use of coal because the North Sea reserves of, of Britain have dwindled. They've actually had to change their the whole way that they that they access these North Sea reserves. Sorry. Um half of the UK's gas demand is through imports. Um so Spain has um had a you know a very unorthodox actually no it's not unorthodox because Brussels approves of it but has had a very sh um you know abrupt and quick decision onto how it's deciding to handle the policy um Spain is deciding to cut its um electricity taxes from about five percent so it's a, it's a value added tax from about five percent all the way to um 0.5 percent which is the bare minimum that the uh, EU requires to be taxed. Additionally, it's seeking to reuse the profits of these um, natural gas companies uh, to give directly back to consumers. So, a I lot mean, of Ethan, people... Ethan, so like, this pipeline, now that Algeria just shut it off, it's restricted access to European consumers. And then they've also been affected by Russia's um, crisis as well, with them also restricting them from access to uh, access to gas and you know ways to power their homes. Right? I know Vion wanted to talk a little bit about supply chain issues. I mean, I, I feel like this really relates to supply chain issues, especially now that they've cut them off from it. Right? Yeah, it is a huge supply chain issue. Um, and working. Vion, you want to give some insights about your? what you wanted to say no Garcia you can you can keep going about it yeah working around that kind of stuff is a lot is a lot of what governments have to be focused on now and what they are focused on now um so yeah I think I think now's a good time um although however there's just a one note it's not necessarily an issue with like the supply chain itself it just it's an issue that revolves around uh, the supply, the supply of natural gas. I don't know if you could. Yeah, yep. I can't. You can't really like quite name it a chain, but it's still like a sub. It, it's still a major supply. I mean, it's still issue. sort of like a chain because they're. Yeah, it, it's like a supply issue, especially with the fact that um, oil can't really be transported to the to to the European Union, and now they're being restricted, and then. I know we had discussed prior to recording this episode a lot about 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 um, climate change and the environment and how environmentalists are trying to take action against pipelines, especially we've seen a lot in the U.S. Right when they're trying to create pipelines, but now here in Europe where they've tried to shift like a large majority of their oil and fossil fuel related businesses to now renewable sources of energy like solar and wind power. Um, how do you think environmentalists are like sort of reacting to this because I, I know there's always issues when it comes up to pipelines but now now pipelines are being restricted so do you think environmentalists are going to be like oh that's a sort of a good thing that okay now this is our chance to shift to renewable sources of energy or are they just not going to say anything well environment just going to sort of self it out yeah environmentalists in particular are actually kind of conflicted over this issue um a lot of environmentalists often reside you know on the left economically as well 
and um this energy crisis is affecting poor people a lot in especially especially in spain um a lot of people are going without gas which means no heating and often and sometimes no way to um no way to cook which is why the PSOE which is actually aligned with the green party in spain is deciding to uh cut the so, so, so is to cut the value added tax on electricity bills from tw 21% to 10% um is actually putting a price cap on electricity so that uh companies can't profit from from this supply squeeze and um and also changing the carbon price system so there's a carbon price system in uh, the rest of the EU right now that um that involves basically you have to buy the amount of carbon you use and they stockpile you, you emit and they stockpile this money um for so events like this so they're giving it directly back to consumers as almost a, you could call it a subsidy but really it's just a direct payment honestly um programs like that are kind of stupid they are i mean i mean it's it's there's they're like incentives sort of um that if you use if you use renewable energy you'll get money um I, i feel like it's similar to a subsidy in the fact that people are benefiting especially consumers and producers but but the issue is is it, is it really worth it especially for the country um uh countries like the united states now now with all like the programs that we're trying to enact especially like infrastructure bills and other bills right um our debt is increasing um do european countries really like like what what are their stances especially on debt because that's that's a major role in um economic policies especially in the united states where during um trump's presidency we had quite a few shutdowns government shutdowns because people couldn't agree on like a debt spending limit right yeah in, so, in europe so. the debt issues a bit like less than the states but mm -hmm. also it it's just because they've invested in a lot more things a lot earlier than we have so they've already seen enough times like get the profits of such things back whereas you know the united states is a lot more of a pressing issue especially with like trying to keep global dominance right our infrastructure yeah. is crumbling and we just keep spending more money on the military and stuff and like we're definitely not ready for like the challenges that we're going to face in the in the future i would say yeah and the infrastructure bill that we had was a good step in the right direction but um but also it's just the infrastructure bill has been like slashed the infrastructure bill has been like slashed like originally it was pretty good but they've significantly slashed like a lot of the stuff that was going to be really good in it well yeah they had to because that that's the only way that could everyone could agree and pass the bill well yeah you know? but yeah. thankfully good... it focused on the it focused on the infrastructure which is a good thing which is like the primary goal but mm -hmm. there's also a lot of human infrastructure human capital yeah. has to be invested right that they cut I guess the, the time back to to Europe like I guess energy is not the only thing that affects Europe. We are also talked about like their agriculture, right? Yeah, so over the there they had policy they're changing yeah. that. Well, going to talk a little bit about that and market, explain what it is. Yeah, the market's become more efficient, so it's not necessarily I think they're like they've reduced it steadily, but common agricultural policy is basically where they'll they'll subsidize the production of certain crops 
not certain, but just subsidized agricultural production in general. And and um, they'll put a price floor on the on the um, on you know the prices of their their goods. And the EU is like is under the responsibility that they have to buy back the surplus. And they have different income support, market measures, and rural development measures. Um, like the rural division, the rural development measures are a lot more, um, are a lot more regional. So there's like databases. There's different kind. There's different kinds of like projects that they're supposed to do, that they recommend, and so on and so forth. Different systems they can integrate rural areas into. Um, the income support is uh, just direct payments and um, greening schemes. So like, they'll reward farmers for the way they for the way they farm if they're using the land sustainably. Um, so right now, there's also, already a price floor enacted, and now they're adding a subsidy on top of it, so farmers can like rightfully get paid. But now with this subsidy on top of the price floor that's already like going on. You're just telling me that the surplus that's already there is now going to continue to grow, right? And as the surplus continues to grow, the European Union has to do something with it, and so now they're buying back that product, correct? It, they either they either buy back the product to like store it, but it's not it's mm -hmm. it's kind of rare. Also, like the market's a bit more efficient for agriculture nowadays, so you know the the prices have like reduced over time. But what they'll do is um, they'll just feed the surplus to animals or burn it mm. because if they export it to other areas, it just it's way too competitive of a price mm. and it just mm -hmm. disrupts a bunch of other farmers. So yeah, like, but the thing what is they're that subsidizing, they said... sorry, what they're subsidizing is green, te is green techniques like sustainability and mm -hmm. uses of certain fertilizers and uh, if they meet a certain like pollution quota, they um yeah. But then, but then, it like, but then the problem is they are promoting all these green um, like tactics and what farmers use to produce their crops. And yes, they're giving them a subsidy. Like yes, congrats, you did this. But then the problem is they have the surplus. And one of your things that you said was that it's either they're going to feed it to animals or they're going to have to burn it. Yeah, that's where that's um, actually where a lot of there's that's where there's a recent backlash where they're actually seeking to um they're seeking to fortify uh common agricultural policy a bit further and mm -hmm. um because like burning the crop then like yeah just counteracts all the measures you've done to promote green farming you know and it also and, and promotes like the whole point of food habits as well we produce we overproduce yep. already 10 billion mm -hmm. for seven 10 billion like Food for ten billion people on a world with like seven billion. Seven billion people. Or like yeah, almost eight, eight now. And eleven, and something like that now. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, th there's just a lot of there's been a lot of backlash against common agricultural policy, especially in um, like Greta Thunberg, actually, is that how you say it? Yeah, Thunberg. Yeah, Thunberg. Yeah, yeah. Greta, Greta Thunberg actually um, argued against it. Um, the reform is basically 
the, the reform is just gonna give a bit more money uh, it created a 450 million euro crisis fund in case markets are disrupted because you know they learned from the pandemic it that that's gonna happen a bit more often nowadays um it also goes to it also just increasing increases the amount of funding that's going to smaller farms um and increases the payment and it increases the payments to an eco scheme but it doesn't define it which is what like a lot of people are pointing out that it's just going to be kind of like a greenwashing essentially of common agricultural policy let me see what i let me see if i can yeah like find. like the thing is the burning of crops this like we, we sort of talked about it like how it, i mean this relates to i guess india and uh, i searched it up and what they burn is like the stubble which is like the aftermath of the crop so they harvest a crop and this is after their season like harvesting season is over they have all the stubble that remains and they need to get rid of it so that when the new harvest comes around they have fresh fresh and clear soil to like plant right yeah but the problem that, is actually... the way they're the way that they're doing it is that they're burning everything and now every season and now that they keep doing it again and again that over years now the pollution especially in like areas like delhi it's just unbearable for some people and and the problem is i guess climate change is now a more pressing issue and um certain parties in india are like okay yeah we're gonna help out farmers so they don't keep burning crops right to save the environment and whatever right but but the problem is some politicians are just saying it so they can get reelected, and and they aren't taking like significant measures um other countries like europe who've already gotten a head start as you said like what are they going to do to prevent something like this happening to europe um that's actually well there's an, the oppositional block um environmental activists and other eu officials actually want to vote this reform down because it 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 basically just incentivizes agriculture further and what this what this kind of intensive model is doing reduces biodiversity degrades the soil and actually creates more water and air pollution as well as requires more natural resources to be extracted you know fossil fuels with tractors and so on and so forth and like trucks for the supply chain part of the agricultural um industry so a lot of yeah so a lot of people a lot of people are just worried that it's a step backwards because it just incentivizes it incentivizes you know further agriculture which we don't really need anymore and um although yes it although it's a good measure of social welfare especially in in country in continents like europe who have a very large rural population uh what, what would be a better thing in general is just a different method of wealth redistribution that doesn't encourage further production and consumption there's you know there's there's different market there's different ways you can use you can use markets to do that there's different ways you can use government power to do that and ultimately that's up to the that's up to those countries but um a lot of people most of the backlash coming for for common agricultural policy is about specifically the um sorry is about specifically the com uh the encouraging of agricultural of like of for of bolstering production
All right. Yeah. Uh, Vion, did you want to talk a little bit more about like global issues in that context? Because I know you had some things to say about it when we wanted to record. Um, yeah, well, I was sort of talking about, we were talking about the Ma, the Ma, correct me if I'm wrong with it, Maghreb, Maghreb, right, Ethan? Yeah, the Maghreb one pipeline. You were talking about that. And then um, I also wanted to talk about like supply chain issues, like, um, like just like consumer stuff, like going into the holidays, people are going to be buying like a lot more gifts and a lot more like stuff for their relatives. And um, companies like Apple, Microsoft, NVIDIA, and then also just like food companies like Chipotle um, and other companies, they're having serious supply chain issues. And some of those issues are domestically here in the United States because workers aren't getting paid enough and they're refusing to work. And then um, it's also uh, factories in China, Taiwan, and uh, Cambodia and other places that are sort of adding to the problem. So um, if you wanted to talk about that, Rahul, do you want to add on or Garcia? I'm sorry? Do you want to talk about like um, like supply chain issues like in like uh, factories and Taiwan and stuff? We can have a conversation about that. Yeah, of course. Um, Generally, there's just like a lack of foresight uh, for a lot of companies this year. And when a lot of raw materials such as well, you know, this was already happening last year, like lumber and copper specifically were overshot. Um, they couldn't meet their quotas, their like production quotas. Mm-hmm. And that's just caused a major disruption. And they're still feeling the effects of that today. Yeah. It's I mean, yeah. Down. In our housing market, that's also like another reason why the housing market, like the prices have like risen to a like unimaginable heights because yep. of a uh, shortage of like lumber and uh, workers and stuff. And then um, it's it, like the COVID pandemic plays a major role into that as well. And um, like, yeah, it's, it's not just supply chain issues because of like holidays coming around, like you said, um, the pandemic definitely had a large shift and, and it hurt a lot of companies, especially because of supply chain issues. And I can say from personal experience that the cost to buy material and buy products is really expensive now. And again, getting getting people to work, um, especially especially like uh, construction workers, uh, it's pretty difficult because people are trying to take on multiple jobs at once, but they aren't able to like fulfill everything because so many people want to get things done. Um, you don't have proper supply for it, nor do you have enough people able to work and do it and taking on several jobs at once is like kind of kind of stretching people um and and they have to go everywhere just trying to get one thing done at a time and it takes a lot of time to get stuff done uh so yeah the the supply chain is really messed up and now with the holidays coming uh, along and around there there's definitely going to be a lot more issues especially with uh, large industries and large large leaders like Apple and Microsoft, right? Mm-hmm. Um, clothing brands, they also definitely have, um, they're definitely going to have some shortages because you're talking about Cambodia, them having supply chain issues. Cambodia, Thailand, Vietnam, they like do a lot of, a lot of stuff regarding uh, clothing. 
and they they do a lot of the mass production of goods and and with supply chain issues it's going to take longer you're going to see a lot of more delays you're going to see a lot more i guess pre-ordering and the pre-ordering can be like weeks in advance like six weeks in advance because people don't have the supply and so yeah it's difficult i mean it's amazing for the shipping industry though they're like making so much profits yeah they but at the same time they aren't because they have people wanting to get stuff shipped but the goods aren't there like the supply isn't there right so they can't ship yeah, yeah. But they're also the source of a lot of the issues the mm-hmm. the, comp- the the shipping companies you said shipping com- yeah shipping companies are another like big part because they can only because they can only transport so much good so yeah yeah there, that's right? true there's major bottlenecks like um in I know that right now, if you are a ship trying to get into the LA port, sorry, this port of San Francisco or the harbor, whatever it's called, you have to dock, you have to anchor in like uh, the bay for about a month, a month to two months you have to anchor there for. So goods coming into the country are like severely backed up. It's really bad. Yeah, a lot of companies are also super backed up as well in terms of like how much they have in their in their storage right now versus how much they're getting out to to consumers. Like out of a, out of a panic over inflation, a lot of consumers have actually changed their buying habits and started like pre-buying a lot more stuff a lot earlier than they expected. But obviously they can't ship everything out with that speed and efficiency, so there's a lot of a lot of backrooms not backrooms. I don't know if that's what the right word is, but a lot of piles of stuff sitting. And there's also just a general like they won't even fulfill half they won't even fulfill like a bunch of orders as well just simply because they just ran out. Yeah, there's like also costly. Yeah, there's a huge like misallocation of resources as well. Uh, yeah, but then then the problem is like reallocating resources more efficiently. Um when when you want to do that and and i guess maximize like social surplus the problem is that you're also like losing some of that you know extra extra like there's there's that some of that dead weight loss you know ethan <laughs> that they, that you lose you know and, and the problem is though like with all the price floors and whatnot we've talked about you do lose money and 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 not you can't always have resources allocated properly and especially with certain things that come out of nowhere like covid um it's it's a it's gonna be a hard time bouncing back like the u.s economy has i'd like to say bounce back but the thing is like for the future what's what's gonna happen uh and that that's the uncertain part mm. so Maybe for the future it, it still looks pretty solid yeah it looks solid Yes, but there are other rate. things like new variants, you know, like the new one, uh, which which will I feel Omicron, like which we'll talk of... about in our next episode. Well, I want to talk about one thing. I feel like um in the future, at least like until twenty twenty three, I feel like things aren't gonna sort themselves out. Oh yeah, it's definitely gonna take a while for things to sort themselves out, but like until twenty twenty four. We're gonna but, keep... but I agree with Garcia that if you look in the long run, like long, long run, like the next 100 years, everything should be sorted out by then, right? And Except over time. climate change. 
I mean, I don't even yeah. know if he'll be here in the next 50 years, bro. We'll see. That's true. My but, but the thing is, well. like, it, it's it's your time frame that you look in. Like, you're you're talking about four years uh, or three years. That's, like, nothing compared to the – compared to, like, the lengths of time people look at to see, oh, how will this play and a big role in, you know? I feel like the so, human race has gone from forecasting like next twenty years, and then recently it's become like next five years. Just yeah, especially with climate change, change. that's playing. China. I love what? five-year plans. Did you know? What'd you say? I love five-year plans. Did you know? <laughs> yeah, I did know that you actually love five-year plans, Garcia. I can talk mm-hmm. about them all day. I can talk about the eleventh and thirteenth of five Chinese five-year plans and what they did for natural disaster reduction. Believe me, we know we know you can talk about those all day. I, th- I think one of these days we'll do that. Yeah. All right. Um, so that is going to be the podcast for today. Thank you everybody for listening, and um, we will back. We'll be we will be back soon with more content, probably about the Omicron coronavirus variant that is as, um, as the information comes out. As the information yep. comes out, there was a new report published today, which basically said that they're um, trying to figure things out. So um, we will discuss that next podcast episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This has been Electroluminescence.